Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our game changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. Hi, I'm Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mac. Welcome, everybody, to West Point, Mississippi, the home of Mossy Oak brand camo. The Gamekeeper Studio and your best buddy who's on the wall, Hercules. Yes, he is. He is. <laughs> Boy, this is going to be a really interesting podcast. No doubt about it. I mean, you, everybody that listens to this at some point in your year, you 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 deal with ticks. Oh man, I'm gonna tell you. For me, it's the thing. It's you know, I'm I've I guess growing up around snakes, they just don't bother me that much. But I worry more about ticks than anything. Now, if a grizzly bear was running around down here, I'd be worried about him too. But ticks, I think about them all the time. What about yeah, you, Dudley? They're no fun. I I used to get them on me. Weekly, you know, several, and it didn't bother me. I can uh, remember one time you were in here and I was talking to you and you had a tick in your eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know, three or four years ago, I, I became horribly frightened by them. Well, uh, all the diseases, you know, yeah. it's like, oh my goodness, what can you not get from them? And so uh, there was a little spell where I just wouldn't go in the woods. I was so scared of them. And, and then, then I discovered you know, the proper uh, repellents and, and ways to treat your clothing and all that good stuff. And now I'm back at it. Oh, that's, Bobby. That's good. What's the worst place you've ever found a tick? Oof. You ever used the mirror technique? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, know, that's, you know, you've got to do some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, it didn't happen to me, but I remember a friend getting one in his belly button one time. Mm. And it been infected. It was just a mess. Bad deal. Yeah. What about you, Dudley? Worst spot to find a tick? Um, you know, in the unthinkable areas. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've had one in my ear. I've had one in my belly button. You know. I'm with you. I think I've had them. I've had one in my eyebrow. I had a uh, one on my eyelash. eyelash. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one time. in acre collective season, <laughs> it's it still hits the 90s around here, and there's ticks everywhere. And there, there was times when I'd get three or four or five bites a week. Yeah. Still, the old seed tick, that's the, the, you know, once you bump into one of those grass heads and all of a sudden you can't see anything, but you can feel something. <laughs> and you run down there and look and it's like, oh, no, they're all over yeah, me. It's, it's either a bead of sweat rolling off of you or a tick. Yeah. yeah. Once I think I have one, I just, it, it, I can feel them all over. Oh, there's no question about yeah. it. 
I can feel them biting me too, but that's a whole other subject. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we get started, why don't we uh, let's think about what's going on today? And is there what's what topically? What's there's a couple of things that I've seen in the news that I thought I would bring up. This past week, there was a red tide and. Right outside of Tampa, it looked like it killed a lot of fish. Did you guys see that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Okay. What about? Did y'all see where the the, the in North Carolina that zebra cobra? I heard there? about the cobra that's on the run. Yes, yeah, yeah. about spitting cobra. Spitting cobra. So what? They have to evacuate the whole town or something? They just passed out garden hose. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a spitting a cobra? I just and then the guy. Has, he had over 75 poisonous snakes in his house. Man. Venomous or poisonous? I don't Ooh. know. Probably venomous. Gotcha. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> that, that, that just, that's crazy. Okay. That's what that is. But you never know who's living next to you and what they have. Mm. No, I would have moved. Well, I'm looking over at Mac, who is texting once again. And what, Mac, the had, do, again. do you have a commercial for us today? So I do. Uh, this commercial actually is uh, for our goat search. Uh, I've actually talked to a few guys locally, uh, but it's it's shown to be pretty difficult to get somebody to bring a goat up here. So if you have a goat in the northeast Mississippi, west Alabama area, uh, reach out to us because Bobby will give it a free bath and then we'll get our goat. All right. You, you know, 662-494-4326. You know, I don't know where that number rings, but the problem is, I think I've learned, is that Mac goes and talks to these people about, hey, can we borrow your goat for a half a day? And they, when they see Mac... They don't want to give them the they goat. They don't want to let Mac have they, their goat. They value their goat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I can understand. Yeah, I could too. Especially if he's got those rubber boots on. Well, he, from his fraternity days, there's probably all kind of yeah, stuff. It might be. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Are we going, going there? Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So, look, Mike, I do have a commercial. So, this podcast is about ticks. And we have recently partnered with Ben's Insect Repellent. And I have been using that stuff since they came on board. And it works. Yeah, it's the first like branded insect repellent I can remember using in the outdoors too. That orange, that iconic orange bottle with the pump spray on. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, good stuff. It really is. So I would highly recommend that to guys. And as we get further into this podcast, we're going to be talking about repellents and stuff. But, sure. But I just wanted to mention them, mention theirs early on. So as a guest today. We need to get the horns ready because uh, we've got a great guest today. Yeah. And, you know, we've been reaching down the road. They're not very far away to Mississippi State University. Unbelievable resource for and us. And today we've got Dr. Hell Steve. Hell of a school, too. Well, and, yeah. and national champions, just, might I add. Yeah, just want I mean, to just throw says. that in there. Yeah, they we got it all here. <laughs> yeah, congrats to those guys. That was that, a lot of fun to that watch. That was amazing to watch. It, it really was. So we've got Dr. Steve Damaris. Hey. Good nice. morning, gentlemen. <laughs> I can't tell you how many publications I have obsessed over over the years with Dr. Steve Damaris' name on the top. Oh, he's an icon obsessed in, in a way like yeah. I don't agree with that or what? Uh, I want to soak up and memorize every single word from that publication. Every granule. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've, heard, I've heard that as well. And, you know, the first time I remember, I, I'll tell you that this, I, I, I'll tell this story just to say what kind of person that I think he is. The first time I met him was late one night at a Catch a Dream event. There's uh, I, I pull up and this guy is directing that people are stuck in the mud and he's helping them get out and everything. And it's none other than 
Dr. Steve Damaris. So he could have been inside, you know, imbibing with the other people, bidding on stuff and having fun, but he was out outside helping guys that were stuck in the mud. Yeah. That speaks a lot to somebody. Or maybe that. he just got a new winch he was wanting to try. <laughs> <laughs> could have been. But then let me also say this about uh, Dr. Damaris. And we'll refer to you as Steve, if you don't yeah, mind, please do. after this point. But also heard that you were recently uh, honored by the Wildlife Society as this year's recipient of the Award for Excellence in Applied Research. And uh, it's an award that's given to the recipient with a career track record of doing research that matters to biologists, managers, and hunters. Yes, I'm really pleased with that. And it's it's just a reward for the way I've lived my professional life is I, I want to do things that matter to those people. When I can talk to a, a group of 100 hunters or landowners and, and biologists and tell them about things we're doing at the Deer Lab, Bronson Strickland and our great, great graduate students, it, it just pumps me up. It's juice. Yeah. Well, That's we, awesome. Yeah, we need to hit the horns. Yeah, That's right. That's, uh, <laughs> Where was it? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Juice. Yeah, big award. And that's the Caesar Kleiberg. Yeah, Caesar Kleiberg. Uh, and, and it's a South Texas foundation that recognizes stuff that matters. It's it's in the ranching community. And, and so they, do, they worry about research that matters to ranchers. So. I like that phrase, uh, you know, coming from an academic person, stuff that matters. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, congratulations on that. Absolutely. And, and we do appreciate you being here, and we, and we have all uh, acknowledged uh, the, what an impact you've had on uh, the whitetail world, period. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. Yeah. Hey, can I put in another plug for an award that sure. wasn't mine, but the, the MSU Deer Lab? Sure. We got the Boone and Crockett Award for uh, – Oh, goodness, now I'm going to mess up the formal name of it. But we got the Boone and Crockett 2020 uh, recognition for uh, conservation, education, and, and research and awesome. management. Awesome. Right on some more That's awesome right there. That's, uh, that is hey, more the, stuff that matters. The like Boone it. and Crockett. That's the big one. Yeah. I know. Bob Congrats. Yeah, that really is. Well, so look, we wanted to, we invited you over here today to, to uh, talk about ticks. And what we wanted to learn is, you know, as hunters, gamekeepers are out here, we're we're getting ticks on us all the time. We we see ticks on our deer and we see ticks on our turkeys. They got to be a source of stress. But we're also hearing now that there's some, and I can't pronounce some of these landing. We'll do better. Some of these diseases that people are getting that now now all of a sudden some people can't eat red meat because of a tick bite. And right. Lanny had a dog goose who's laying over here somewhere that. Had tick-borne illness. Yeah, and, and, a, and a vet just luckily, a vet from Mississippi State, luckily determined that it mm-hmm. was a tick bite and corrected mm-hmm. the problem, or Lord knows what would happen. He wouldn't be over there smiling today. No, but but That's it was, right. a. I mean, it really helped the dog. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's, there's just a lot going on with ticks, and we just wanted you to kind of, if you would, start kind of explaining what's going on. Wow. Well, you know, as a, an outdoors person myself, I, I deal with the same thing. I, I literally worry like Dudley mm-hmm. about going into the woods in the in the summertime and you know it's that that tick bomb when you s- step near a, a an egg cache that might have had a thousand eggs laid by an adult female tick and all those larvae come out of the eggs and, and they're just right in that little cluster and that's right where you stand mm-hmm. and, and boy those, those things just like yeah they just crawl up on you but 
Then that seed ticks there. Yeah, right? it, it makes you want to take a bath yeah. and yeah, gas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's there's something that we just deal with as as outdoors people. We you know, we can't not go out. That's exactly it's, right. We can't not go out. It, that's it's for in sure. Us. No, then, <laughs> yeah. then the ticks win. Yeah, we're not going to let the yeah, ticks win. That's right. So what we can do is do things that uh, to the land that helps reduce the populations and then do things to our clothes and, and tuck our clothes in certain ways and, and just modify and, and minimize the threat. But there is a threat. And the more we study these tick diseases, the more they're discriminating differences. You know, 20, 30 years ago, they were just starting to learn about tick diseases. And the more they study, it's like, oh, that's not just a disease. That's actually two different diseases. Bacteria are really big on uh, bacteria do well in ticks for whatever reason. And there are a number. The the main diseases of concern are bacterial diseases other than the the alpha alpha gal, which is an allergic reaction. Is it an allergic reaction to the tick bite or to the uh, maybe, I guess, you know, to me, can a tick bite one thing, say a deer, and then get on you and bite you and have any kind of transmission effects? Yeah, the the alpha gal, it's called, and and that's short for a a particular uh, sugar molecule, galacto something or other. And uh, the tick absorbs that uh, or sucks that sugar molecule out of certain non-primate mammals. Mm-hmm. We don't have that sugar molecule in our body. They get it from a particular mammal. And then ticks, most of the ticks we worry about are what called three-host ticks. The, the seed ticks, the larvae get on something, they eat, and then they fall off. And then they go through a metamorphosis and uh, turn into a nymph. Uh, and then the nymphs crawl up and find an animal, and then they feed, and then they fall off, and then the adults morph out of the nymphs, and that's the adult male and the adult female. So by the time that thing's an adult male, it's already latched on to, to at least two other critters before yes. you. Whoa, my mind's just getting blown now. I'm really scared of them. <laughs> and, that, and that's why they have so many things that they can carry, because right. they've they've spread themselves Multiple around. Hosts. Yeah. Hmm. And that could be a rabbit. That could be a deer, mouse, whatever. Ooh, yeah. And and so this uh, this alpha gal molecule, the sugar molecule, is in non primate mammals, mm-hmm. and so not not humans or apes. But uh, you know, if, if it feeds on a rabbit, it could get that galactose molecule in its body and doesn't bother the ticks apparently. But when they then insert their mouth parts in us. It's in their saliva of sorts, and and it gets in, and and then certain a percentage of humans have the ability to develop a, an allergy to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm not a medical person, but I understand it's it's not everybody. And even the people that do develop the allergies, there's a range of symptoms. Some are re- very mild. Some are you know. Near near death experiences, really serious allergic reactions. Well, yeah, I know that, for whitetail hunters, that's a 
I know it seems like Alpha Gal just started presenting itself in the last you know decade or fifteen years, but mm-hmm. I know it's a hot topic with all whitetail mm-hmm. hunters. Well, yeah, I think I, pretty much everybody now knows at least somebody that has Alpha Gal. Well, I, I know several. Yeah, let me know. We don't have to look any further than Mac. Right, my mom actually just got diagnosed with it, and she has a, a few other. Uh, allergic reactions like peanuts and shellfish that have developed later in life, uh, peanuts she was born with. And so it, it kind of speaks to uh, Dr. Demaris's point of, you know, maybe not all people are susceptible to it, but with her having a presence of allergies, it makes me think that she is, you know, more she susceptible. Is, yeah, to more it. susceptible. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, and that just happened recently. I mean, that was within the last year. Does mm-hmm. she remember the tick bite? Yes. What, was it an exceptional bite? Then it, it did something most tick bites don't? Uh, she remembers pulling the tick off. I would say that the bite she doesn't necessarily remember, but she does remember pulling the tick off. I mean, she was working out in the yard, you know, in the garden, and I hadn't got a tick on her just walking walking through her yard. Mm. And, I mean, that was in – I mean, it's in the city limits. It's not like it's, you know, surrounded by a largely wooded area or anything like that. So, I mean, that was in, in, in the city. Wow. Most of the time, I didn't connect all those dots, but that sugar molecule gets into the person and they develop an allergy to that sugar molecule. That sugar molecule is in red meats. And and so when you eat a red meat or venison, beef, uh, pork, I think, also has it. Oh, man. Get them all. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, chicken and turkey don't have it, Mm -hmm. but uh, the red meat. Group. I can't wow. imagine being denied being able to eat red meat. Well, you'd, you'd have to put down them Hardy's double cheeseburgers <laughs> yeah, yeah. with no cheese. With no cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, you brought up something too, Doctor Mary. I thought seed ticks were just a, a whole another species of small ticks. So those are actually the babies. Yes, yeah. wow. exactly. And then they. So um, do all uh, I guess species of ticks have that same way of, I guess, reproduction. They have just small clusters in the mm-hmm. eggs. Yes. And so everything runs through multiple species. I'm scared to death of them now. Great. <laughs> so tell, tell us how a tick works. He's out there and he's, he, how does he get on you? What's his, what's he thinking? What, how's well, he trying to? That's called questing. Mm. Like you're on a quest. Yeah. So when they metamorphose from say a nymph to an adult, they crawl up. It's, they just go up. And against gravity, they just, it's in them to move up and they go as high as they can. And then they just hang on the vegetation with their, you know, they have eight legs. And so they grab on with, you know, two or four legs and, and then hold two, two or four more out and just wait for something to come by and grab onto it. Well, they, we've always heard they'll float out of the tree down on you. Is that, do they have to come in contact with you? I don't know about the floating down the tree. Mm-hmm. They parachuting down out of the pines <laughs> when you're going turkey hunting. <laughs> if they're hanging on that blackberry or broom sedge or whatever that you're going to walk by on the trail and, yeah. and, uh, and hopefully grab a leg. Yep. So if you've sprayed down when that thing gets on your britches, it, it, it touches it and, he, and the chemical, he's like, eh, and he drops off. Well, I, as I understand it, permethrin actually will kill them if if they stay on long enough. So I don't know if they yeah put a notch for permethrin yeah, there, but like that. Okay. Um. <laughs> 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 yeah, the uh, you know I guess we're getting into that. But uh, the first time I treated my clothing with with permethrin, uh, I was wearing shorts, and you would see the tick 
crawl up your leg and then it would get about an inch up your shorts and then it would fall off. Wow. And, you know, uh, my understanding is it has a, a repellent effect, but if they've, you know, been in close proximity to, to it, they will just fall off and die. Now, Lanny, I'm wondering about the guy that stands there and watches the tick crawl up. His yeah, leg. I, I wouldn't have made it that far. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's see if this works. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah that, that's pretty bizarre. He tries every bit of deer feed and everything that comes through anyway. He's a, he's a big tester. So. Yeah. So we can talk about tick diseases and prevention uh, for days, but uh, and we'll get that a little bit later. You're a mammal Dr. researcher. Dr. Your uh, your focus is deer. Uh, are, are you guys working on anything over there, or have you have you completed anything on? Uh, yeah, just, you know, in fact, just recently we completed a three year study looking at supplemental feeding and how it might affect ex- potential exposure to diseases. Okay, what are y'all finding? A, a lot of people feed deer, mm-hmm. and um, you know for whatever reason, and and so we were concerned that you know maybe hunt, we need to find out is this exposing hunters and landowners and their kids to increase disease risks. And we found a couple, well, we looked at aflatoxin, we looked at, you know, a lot of different things, but relative to ticks, you know, you you never stop learning in this business. And I thought, well, a tick is going to, I mean, a feeder is going to attract animals. And so they're going to be dropping off ticks and there's going to be a lot of ticks around the feeders. And so we sampled around feeders and around uh, ecologically equivalent sites within a, 150 or 200 yards away. So same kind of, you know, if it was on a food plot in a pine stand next to a pond, we found another food plot pine stand pond without a feeder and sampled there. So we sampled 79 different pairs of these things across the state of Mississippi. And we and again, I, I went in thinking, well, we're going to show that feeders increase the tick population. Just the opposite. Hmm. Feeders actually decreased the tick population, or the, the ticks around the feeders. And what we think it, it, it and it makes sense after, I, after we learned what the reality was, I could make sense of it. Um, a, an animal is going to come to a feeder and spend a very short amount of time there and then leave. So if an animal spends 97% of its time away from a feeder, and only 3% of its time there. Just do the math. The probability of a tick falling off is much greater during 97% of the day than the 3% of the day when an animal happens to be at the feeder. And so the likelihood of a tick falling off much greater away from the feeder. And then you have a greatly increased number of animals coming into the feeder and so what ticks are there are questing, and the, peop- the, the animals coming in are picking up those ticks. And so it's not necessarily saying that the animals aren't getting more ticks by going to the feeders. We didn't sample the animals. We just sampled around the feeders because we were concerned about you know, what we call zoonotic diseases, things that humans can get from wildlife. And so we wanted to you know, just alert hunters to like th- things to take care of. And it turns out, Ticks are, are not as much of a problem around the feeders for us. Mm. 
That's interesting. interesting. Yeah, it really enough. is. They'll still find you when they're questing, but yeah, mm-hmm. not around the feeder. Are there any? Um, I'm sure. I think with Bobby, I, you know, being here for years, we've heard of of certain health benefits for feeds or supplements that would deter ticks from you know even attaching to wildlife in the first place. So specific to deer, are there any? Um, uh, I mean, would it be in a gamekeeper's interest to you know try to manage the ticks on his place to make his deer herd healthier? Well, the best thing I could recommend a landowner do to reduce the tick burden is to do a prescribed burning mm-hmm. program. It, we learned about that last week. Yeah, and that yeah. would be a summer burn? Or a- yeah, ideally, uh, you know, long-term, regular dormant season or winter burns are, are better than none. Mm-hmm. But if you have the opportunity to burn during the growing season, that's really the best time. Because the ticks are up questing, sure. and, and you know during the the, the winter time, whatever stage they're in, they tend to burrow down and, and kind of hunker down for the winter. So you run a most prescribed fire dormant season prescribed fires don't go really deep into the duff, just kind of burn the top of the duff off, and so you'll kill some ticks, but you won't get as good a control as during the growing season. Mm-hmm. Fires and, and we've we've shown uh, some research recently showing a lot of positive nutritional effects from growing season burns. Interesting. And, and uh, as an indirect effect, I would I would surmise that uh, if you're doing growing season burns, uh, uh, you've got healthier deer, and they're probably uh, better able to fend off ticks as well. Because I know insects prey on stressed and unhealthier uh, prey. Well, if you really want to see ticks on deer, collect deer during June, July, and August. Mm-hmm. You, know, you think you've seen ticks on deer f- from harvested deer? You haven't seen ticks. Yeah. During, during the summer, we've, we've collected for research purposes bucks and does during all months of the year. And, and the tick load, you know, you could have literally – hundreds and thousands of ticks on the head and shoulders of, of deer. That's got to be super stressful. Absolutely. And wear them down. It, it was, I've heard about, uh, you know, I had a friend in Missouri that uh, he said that you could see the ticks hanging from the bucks in velvet. That, mm-hmm. that And uh, this kind of brings me to a question that I wanted to ask, but are certain properties more predisposed to have more ticks than others. This particular property I'm thinking about, he just talked about they just had so many ticks. It was just incredible. But he he had friends that were within 20 miles of there that that did not have ticks like that. I've heard of those examples as well, and I'm familiar with one of our our research sites in North Mississippi that that is a very high tick population. Uh, And and we've been looking up there. Uh, one of the, our other deer lab cooperators uh, has been looking at timing of burning there. And then maybe that's who you talked to recently, mm-hmm. Marcus Lashley. Oh, he yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. Sure did. So yeah, Last week. Dr. Disturbance. We're going to burn yeah. everything. We need to come up with a cool name yeah. for you. Like <laughs> <laughs> Needs him a handle, don't he? <laughs> yeah, so, but it seemed, you know, through the years we've met a, a number of people that have I can think of two or three that fed garlic mm-hmm. to their deer through protein feeders and always swore that it helped with the tick load. But, you know, you just have to go by what somebody says. I, yeah, those anecdotal, you know, I did this and it seemed to help. You know, if there's no 
comparison to a, a control where you don't do it. And if you don't have some replication of multiple places, that's why we do research on, you know, spatial replication and controls so that we can really see is it, is it this, is this the cause or is it just anecdotal? So do y'all do anything in the deer pens over at Mississippi State for ticks? Uh, we, we treat with Ivermec when we handle the animals, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't treat in the, um, on the ground for ticks. We, we don't have a tick problem. Help, help us understand that, if you can, the life cycle of that tick. I'm just still, you know, stuck on this thing being a seed tick and then attached on going through two or three hosts before it gets, you know, what I guess I would call dog tick size. <laughs> and then it can get a hold of me. So is that a, how long a process does that take? Is that a? Well, it, it's typically a two-year process. Mm. The, the eggs are laid and... Uh, the the larvae will feed and they'll feed a, a few days and drop off and and they may they may metamorphose or change into a nymph that year or depending upon when they got picked up and when they dropped off they may not have time to metamorphose until the next spring but you can generally get two out of the three life stages in one year and then finish out the other one the next year and and it's basically molting into a bigger tick. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. And, and the, lar- the larvae, I think, have uh, six legs. The, the nymphs have eight legs, and the adults have eight legs. And, and then the sexual dimorphism really comes in with, with the adults. Mm-hmm. And if you get a tick and, you know, one of those, those really big bladder. Oh, gray ticks. ticks. Oh, gray tick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those are actually female ticks. They're the ones that, that eat a lot of blood. The males, they'll just eat kind of fill their small belly and drop off because mm-hmm. they don't have to produce all the eggs. They, they get by with just producing little semen to, to breed with the, the female. So they don't have the nutritional requirements that the female does, and that's why she eats so much blood. Same with mosquitoes. Male mosquitoes don't bite you. If you get bitten by a mosquito, it's a female mosquito. She needs the blood meal to support the egg laying. So she gets big and gray on something and then drops off. Drops off and, and then just oozes out eggs. Huh. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the what you call the duff, the forest floor. Yes. Hmm. Huh. Man. So Little let me vampire ask Vampire suckers. <laughs> so like Lyme disease, and I think it was named for a town in Connecticut, if I'm yes, not mistaken. Yes, where it was discovered. So it is Lyme disease present everywhere, or is it in pockets where the concern is. It's generally distributed across the eastern United States and the southeast. We have, you know, I, I don't know that we've surveyed specifically enough to say it's not here or, and it is there, but it's generally across the southeast. And uh, it's a bacterial disease. Mm-hmm. And it's picked up by, you know, from a, a host, a, a wildlife host, and transferred to a humans in the process and it just causes that flu-like symptoms and you know 20 years ago we didn't know about Lyme disease doctors didn't know about Lyme disease very much and so we were taught as early in our professional careers like if you have any kind of symptoms you go to a doctor just tell them I'm a wildlife biologist and I have access to this this and this type of situations consider that when you diagnose mm-hmm. my disease don't just say oh you got the flu Right. You know, Lyme disease, early symptoms are a lot like the flu. And you send somebody home with the flu, drink plenty of fluids, take some aspirin, rest. 
they used to do that with people early in the in the day with Lyme disease and long-term Lyme disease can turn into a, a really serious uh, arthritis type. Yeah, we've got impact. friends that, that uh, um, are, are dealing with those kind of issues, I think, yeah. because of not of the early detection of Lyme And it disease. seems like there's just so still so many unknowns now right. about ticks and tick diseases. So um, is it a certain tick that carries the Lyme disease? Can you? I, I've noticed sometimes I'll get one on me and, and it'll have a like a white, white dot. dot. Yeah. And is that like what? Is a little, the little white dot is the lone star tick. And, and uh, the female has that dot. The male doesn't have a dot. So if you get a, a white dot, that's the female. And, and let her stay on a while and you'll see that big gray bladder. <laughs> oh, yeah, Be sure let her hang on there. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't happening. Yeah. But certain species of tick do carry certain diseases. The lone star tick, uh, it is the dominant tick that appears to be associated with alpha-gal, the meat mm. allergy, uh, red meat allergy. And then uh, Lone Star ticks also carry something called ehrlichiosis, which is a bacterial disease. It's kind of one of these flu symptom type diseases like Lyme disease. Uh, Lyme disease is carried by the deer tick, which is also known as the black-legged tick. And then... Uh, the dog tick carries Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and th- those are the big, the main diseases we're aware of right now. Well, I know we've had uh, even employees here with Rocky Mountain spotted fever on multiple occasions. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah old Vandy got it a couple yeah. of years ago. Gary had it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Sure uh, Riley Payne got Lyme disease. Early detection, I believe, is the most important part of it, I would say. Yeah, anytime you get a bacterial disease, antibiotics generally treat them mm-hmm. and, and effectively. So you just need to go get checked and and explain. I'm an outdoors person, and and I, you know, I have ticks on me. And in fact, I had a tick bite last week. And Lyme disease, uh, it is a really distinct symptom, uh, or on your body, instead of just the um, red spot that a tick usually develops, you'll get a, a red ring, kind of a halo mm-hmm. around the bullseye. Yeah, yeah. around mm-hmm. the site, and that that's a key indicator of Lyme disease. So you just need to go to the doctor and say, hey, I think I have Lyme disease. You may know more going in than the doctor might think about. Mm-hmm. Give me a doxycycline. I think as many times <laughs> as I've been bit, um, I'm bound to have have or carry something. But uh, just for whatever reason, it hasn't manifested uh, in, a, in a scary way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like I've had symptoms, but never enough, you know, to really knock me down. So as a wildlife guy, who I mean, you make your living. Uh, obviously, you're in the classroom a lot, but you're out at the deer pen studying this or that. How do you, do you tuck your britches in your boots or do you spray it? What do you yeah. do? Yeah. Uh, if I'm going out to the field, which I do a lot, not just at the deer pens, we don't have a big tick problem there, but when I'm going to the field, I'm going to treat my, my pants the day before, the night before with permethrin spray, and I'm going to spray my boots, and I'm going to tuck my pants in to my boots. You, know, you feel kind of geeky when you do that, but it's a smart thing to do. I feel tick-proof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you don't end up with any ticks and the guys that think they look cooler because they didn't do it, yeah. they'll have a tick and, and well, okay. Yeah. I mean, tucking your pants into your socks, is it seems so basic, but... Uh, you know, it would be so easy for a tick to go up go your up sock. On that cuff. And, that's yeah. right. I mean, that's just 
if you forget to treat your clothes or something, the least you can do is tuck your pants into your socks. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, wearing rubber, need rubber boots, you know, in the woods all the time. And I, my, they're always tucked in no matter what it is because of the water. That's always helped us so, out around here. So, you know, by the time turkey season's over with, mm-hmm. sometimes I might. This year I didn't because I really worked hard with that bins and so I literally mm-hmm. did. This isn't a commercial. And I didn't have any mm-hmm. tick box. But some years by the end of tick season, I look like I've been shot with mm-hmm. a shotgun at 40 yards you and know, that's, just red webs that's all what's over. so odd about a tick bite you know a mosquito or a chigger may just last a few days but that tick is gonna itch, itch. and, and it just be gross and it, it'll bother you sometimes for months speaking of thank you for point what is a red bug a red bug or is also called a chigger the the ones that we get on us are a larval stage of a red bug and they're not ticks but they're they're similar to ticks, but they're not a tick, and they, they're not blood feeders. They just burrow into the skin and basically kind of eat your your skin tissue. They make me crazy. So he's oh, actually man. buried up in there. Yes, huh, that's but, what I've always heard. And so once you start getting a reaction, you're not going to do anything. He's already you, in there. You got to let it eat and come on out. Oh my goodness, those things are bad. Yeah, well, so if I think I've gotten tick uh, chiggers, I'm going to rub some alcohol or, mm-hmm. or something on my skin to try to kill them before they go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get in the shower quick and scrub down. <laughs> but you know, if you're out working and it's that night before you can get back, they are set in. Yeah, that's right. And they are so bad. Uh, yeah. I will mention that that like any uh, bins or permethrin based products will work really well on chiggers too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talk about chiggers and sometimes our friends up north look at us like, what in the world are y'all talking about? Where, where did they, where do they kind of stop residing? Is there somewhere in the country that? I'm sure there is, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got, we got him on yeah, something. Okay. He finally didn't know something. That's pretty good. Oh yeah. Well, Lenny, what time are we supposed to call Dr. Milton? Uh, sometime just uh, probably in the next five, ten minutes. Okay. It works out for everything. Yeah, okay. So, look, let me let me ask you this. What are we not asking uh, that, that you know about ticks that we, we that we need to know? Well, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, being a f- concerned about these things, and it's right to be concerned. But there's, there's a lot of science that tells us, yes, these diseases are a problem, but if you take appropriate actions in advance – like treating your clothes, like washing, you know, properly after you get out and, and pulling the ticks off and, and going to the doctor if you feel any kind of symptoms. I mean, the, the diseases are treatable if treated early and ticks are preventable mostly if you have the, your treated clothes and, and tuck, your, tuck your pants into your socks and your boots. And, you know, so it's not like you have to live in fear and, and not experience the outdoors. That, right. That's I think that's the key is. Yeah, ounce of prevention goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, cool. Lenny, why don't we call the uh, doctor? Call the good doctor and doctor see what he's got Nesson. to say. Yeah. Here we go. Look at there. Hello. Dr. Ned Miller. In the house. What's happening? Hey, you sound <laughs> How are we doing? Yeah, we're doing good. I got this from Bobby, and this is we got Dudley, we got Lanny, we got Mac, we got David, and we've got the esteemed professor from Mississippi State, Dr. Steve Damaris. All right. Got the nice tick council in here. <laughs> we should hit the horn for Dr. Ned Miller. Yeah, I mean, we should. There he is. His second appearance on the Gamekeeper official. Podcast. Yeah, definitely feels official. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> 
on the on the record, I'd like to say that Doctor Ned chiseled away at my foot a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice! I've had a corn in the, <laughs> in, the in the pad of my foot ever since turkey season was over, <laughs> and he got it out, and I have my life back. There it is. He's right. dancing the polka again because yeah, of that. Yeah, that's the most important question: is is does it feel better? It feels better. Man. So, Hallelujah. Yeah, when you can't walk for like six weeks, it's it's not fun. So that's no fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He propped a moth my, in the he, ear, he a car on the foot. Prop my What's foot up week? on the table, grabbed a scalpel, and scared <laughs> the heck out of me. I went to digging. Yeah, <laughs> dug it out. Didn't, to, didn't I, even bleed. I, I probably I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, whenever I, uh, I have a, a what I would consider a friend in in the clinic. Uh, whenever we're about to do a procedure, I always like to look at it and say, man, you know, I've always wanted to do one of these. <laughs> I, I think I did that really. I think I looked at it and said, man, I've always wanted to cut somebody's foot. I've been waiting yeah, for years yeah. to cut somebody's foot. He, he told me, big. Yeah. yeah, he scared me. And then a minute later, he's like, man, I'll probably do 10 of these a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're real pleased to have you on. Uh, we're, we're talking with uh, Steve Damaris about He's just been explaining all about ticks to us, and we wanted to ask you some questions from a medical point of view. If a guy was to get a tick bite, and and what are the things we need to be watching for, and to understand if it might be something more than just the average t- tick bite, because we we hear about all these diseases, and it's it's got us concerned. Sure, yeah. Um, so tick bites are a, a complicated thing in that um, the the diseases that various ticks cause vary widely from one part of the country to the other. So um, it, it, it really depends on where you are when you get bit um, as to what's going to happen. Um, just as some, as some, uh, some background on, on tick bite cases, um, there's a, uh, if you go to the CDC website, there's, there's data that they, they data from um, from ER visits on, on uh, diseases that are diagnosed in ERs. Um, the CDC says that there's about 60,000, or I'm sorry, 50,000 uh, cases of uh, tick-borne illnesses per year. And of that 50,000, about 35,000 of those are, um, are actually Lyme disease. Now, if you... If you Depending on 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 the resource you're you're looking at online, um, some places will report that there's up to four hundred thousand cases of Lyme disease per year, and those reports are typically um, data mined from insurance claims. Um, mm-hmm. So so that data can actually be a little more reliable than the CDC data. The CDC data gets their data from um, uh, diagnosis codes that are made in the ER and sometimes the Lyme disease doesn't get in there. But what it does do is it gives you some, it gives you some insight into, um, the relative, uh, uh, distribution of various tick-borne illnesses like Lyme disease or Rocky Mountain spot fever or anaphysmosis. Um, so, so Lyme disease is by far the most common of, of tick-borne illnesses. Um, and again, just to give you a little more sort of uh, information about distribution, so so we got 51, 50 to fifty one thousand cases of tick borne illnesses per year in the U.S. 
per the CDC data. Um, 35,000 or so of those are Lyme disease. And the next in line is, is anaplasmosis and it's, it's only 8,000. So you go from 35,000 cases of Lyme disease to the next closest one being anaplasmosis, which is about 8,000 cases a year. Um, so, so as far as Lyme disease goes, it's, it's by far the worst. I mean, the most common symptom that you're going to see is this targetoid rash um, that shows up. Some people call it a bullseye lesion. Some people call it uh, a target lesion. Um, but basically, another problem with that is actually that there's another illness that occurs around in the southeastern uh, or south United States called Starry, which also has the bullseye rash. But Lyme disease basically predominantly occurs in the Northeast and, um, and, and upper Midwest with just uh, here again, some, some more data is about 9,000 of those, uh, 35,000 cases of Lyme disease occur in Pennsylvania. About 7,000 occur between New York and New Jersey. And then Wisconsin, Maine and New Hampshire, uh, sort of follow that. So, um, as far as identification goes, if you're in one of those areas and you get bit by a tick and you develop that targetoid rash or the bullseye lesion, then you need to see somebody. Um, and that's sort of one of the number one uh, things that people look for. You'll Another thing that I tell a, a lot of patients is if, if you feel like you have the flu in July, and you've been outside, you need to see somebody. Uh, so, so most tick bite cases are going to be accompanied by some sort of flu-like symptoms, fever, headache, fatigue, arthritis, uh, and, and those sorts of things that, uh, uh, that basically just feels like the flu at the wrong time of year. Hmm. So, uh, so, so that's what, that's one of the things you need to watch out for. Um, does that answer your question? Is that what you were asking? Yeah, I yeah, think so. So many 100%. words. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's most, most cases of, of tick bites is, is going to be uh, flu-like illnesses and then that rash. Um, just interestingly enough, the, the rash from Lyme disease can take some time to show up, too. I mean, it can be three days or it can be two weeks later. Mm. Um when that rash shows up. So um, if you get a tick bite, it actually is important to look at the tick um, and, and, and try to, you know, try to identify the tick. I tell a lot of people, especially around here, if, if the tick has, has anything white on it, um, then it's not likely the tick that causes Lyme disease. Um, the, the tick that causes Lyme disease is, is, uh, uh, I, I believe it's pronounced uh, uh, Ixodes scapularis is the name of it, but it's a deer tick or a black legged tick. Um, it has a bunch of different names, but that tick has has sort of a caramel uh, and a dark chocolate color on its back, but it, there's not typically any white on the back of those ticks. So you know the ticks that we pull off around here, like dog ticks, and deer ticks, and not deer ticks, but lone star ticks. Um, they're going to have some white uh, coloring uh, on the on their back for the most part. Not all of them do, but but 
but a lot of them have some sort of a white marking on their back. Uh, so if you see those white markings, it's not likely to, to cause lyme. So let me ask this. We keep talking about pulling ticks off of you. Is there a proper way to pull one off after he's kind of bitten into you? Yeah. Um, so ticks, so they have this, the, the, the piece of the, or the, 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 the fighter of a tick is, is called the capitulum and that thing's got barbs on it. Um, and when it, when it cuts into the skin and inserts that, that sucker into the skin, um, a, a few things happen. Yeah, it'll actually, tick saliva can have a little bit of an anesthetic in it, so you may not even feel it immediately. Um, they also will secrete a sort of a cement-like substance uh, when they bite you, and they will, which is why they sort of stick. When you pull off a tick, you know, you kind of hear it pop or, or, or you know, it, it kind of sticks to your skin uh, because of these cement-like stuff that they secrete. So uh, you really got to get that, you want to get that, that uh, sucker out of your skin. So tweezers is the best way to do it. I mean, if you can get close to the surface of the skin with a pair of tweezers, grasp that capitulum on the front of the tick and pull it out, then you'll get most of it out. You pull it out. Now you, you'll still have some, some uh, local uh, sort of allergic and irritative symptoms that occur just from the saliva of a tick being in the skin. So you'll have some itching, you'll have some redness. Um, of course, it, it's it's good for the listeners to know that 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 does not equate to Lyme disease. You know, I, I get a lot of questions about uh, um, just minor local reactions to a tick bite. It, uh, it scares people a lot that they they think this is Lyme disease. But but you're going to have some sort of a reaction that's going to cause some itching and some discomfort around the area of the bite. Um, but if you get some tweezers, pull it off. Uh, you generally get everything out of there, and there's there's nothing really else to worry about. Mm. Um, so, do you know anything about the duration of the the tick being attached having anything to do with transmitting? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a good question. So, um, specifically with respect to Lyme disease, so so Lyme disease it comes from a bacteria. Um, called Borrelia burgdorferi, and that bacteria, it, it typically takes, a, it's, it's in the, the gut of, of ticks. Ticks aren't actually infected with Lyme disease. They, Lyme disease is, a, is what we call a zoonotic disease in that uh, um, ticks are just a vector. They're just a transmitter. You know, that disease comes typically from rodents. And, and when a tick's in its mental stage, it'll feed on rodents, and then, uh, then it feeds then it feeds on us and it just sort of transmits that bacteria from the road to us. Um, so that bacteria will, will stay in, a, in the gut of a tick. And when it bites a human, it takes, it, it just varies depending on the, on the source you're looking at here again, but it, it takes 36 or so hours for that bacteria to travel from the gut tick into a person. Um, this is also why we, we think that that uh, the juvenile or nymphal uh, stage ticks are the ones that tend to transmit most of Lyme disease because they're so small that they go undetected on you for such a long time. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily that they're any more uh, dangerous or poisonous or, or, or whatever the case may be. They're just those smaller ticks tend to stay on for a longer period of time. So it gives them a, a greater chance of transmitting that bacteria from their gut to a person. Um, 
another great that sort of leads into another another great way to prevent uh, Lyme disease is, is if you are out and uh, if you're hunting or walking or, or, or if you're just out in the woods and if immediately when you come home if you do a good you know check your whole body for ticks get in the shower try to get them off of you um, you know that'll that'll keep them from being attached for the, the 36 or so hours that it takes to transmit that bacteria so, so getting them off quick is, is, a, is a, a big part of prevention and, and also when you're when you're looking for ticks you know you the creases of your body are where you need to look um, they, they like dark damp areas on your body so armpits you know behind your legs in your groin behind your ear um, you just you got to be sure you check those those use that mirror or use your wife that's always yeah, good yeah. hey honey yeah. come look at yeah. this <laughs> <laughs> so the bath every saturday night that's yeah not you a got to thing. go more than once a week yeah you gotta have yeah. gotta get clean yeah. at least once yeah, every 36 absolutely. hours bobby <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a good question though i mean it does take some confidence to transmit that bacteria so so, so so yeah i mean getting them on and get, getting them off pretty quick is a good idea. well you've taught us a lot we've we've certainly learned here yeah, have you seen many cases of alpha gal, um, Ned? I know that's the, we've you know been familiar with with Lyme fever. Us as hunters, you know, red meat eaters, um, and Doctor Steve yeah. talked a lot about this earlier. I just wondered about if if you've seen many cases of that lately, the alpha gal. Yeah, so alpha gal is a it's a super interesting, um, and and so I'm going to give you a little background on alpha gal too. The way it was discovered discovered was sort of serendipitous it's, it's an interesting story you know that hadn't been around that long um it, and it was i think it was mid 2000 2005 2007 something like that there was a chemotherapy drug uh that was being studied uh around the world it was being studied um and and there were some patients who were developing allergic reactions to this chemotherapy drug um, but that, that allergic reaction was occurring in about 1% of the people who were getting this drug, except for this, in this one area of the U.S., which, which was sort of mid-south. It was Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia. The people who were getting this chemotherapy drug were having uh, allergic reactions to it at a rate of about 25% instead of 1%. Um, so some, some smart people got together and, and were trying to figure out why this allergic reaction was occurring in such density in that area. And, and through their investigations, they realized that, um, that those reactions were occurring in basically the exact same distribution as Rocky Mountain spotted fever was occurring. Hmm. Um, so started studying, you know, put things together. And they ended up figuring out that um, uh, part of the reason that people were reacting to this chemotherapy drug was because it had this carbohydrate in it um, called galactose alpha one three galactose or alpha gal for short. Um, so started doing some research, figuring out that um, some of these uh, these the the tick that was transmitting Rocky Mountain spotted fever also had that carbohydrate in its gut. Now, um, that carbohydrate is, is found on 
basically non-primate mammals. Um, it's, it's, it's just a part of them. Humans and humans do not have it. Um, so, um, what, what ends up happening is, is it here again, the, the tick, it, it's just the vectors. I mean, so when it feeds on, uh, uh, a cow or a sheep or a, or a deer or, uh, it picks up this, this carbohydrate, this galactose alpha one, three galactose or alpha gal, and it, and it, it carries it around in its gut. And then it, when it bites a human, it transmits it to a human. Um, you know, human, or, uh, in, when it's your, when your, your body is reacting to various other parts of the tick, saliva or, or whatever it's injecting into you, it starts making antibodies to what the tick is injecting to you. And, and one of those antibodies that it's making is to that sugar. So now you've got a bunch of antibodies floating around to this, to this alpha gal sugar or carbohydrate. And then you go and you eat a steak and, and you have this, this anaphylactic, uh, type reaction, which, uh, which is a big deal. And the thing that's, that, that makes it difficult to, to diagnose and the thing that, that sort of puzzled people in the beginning was that the reaction that occurs when a, when a person eats meat after they have been sensitized to alpha gal, that reaction takes it can take 10 hours to occur. So uh, with most allergic reactions, they occur within one to three hours. But with this, with this alpha gal reaction, you can eat a steak at dinner and then three o'clock in the morning, wake up and have trouble breathing and have hives all over you. So it, you know, a, a lot of times people mm. think that they're, they've got a, their bed sheets are being washed in a bad detergent or something that's causing this reaction when actually what's causing it occurred or the exposure occurred up to 10 hours prior to the reaction. Um, so, and so what it does is it causes anaphylaxis, which is a, or can cause anaphylaxis, which is an allergic reaction. Um, and, and one of the, one real common sign of, of anaphylaxis actually is nausea and vomiting. So, uh, if, if, if you develop hives followed by nausea and vomiting, um, that's, you need to get somewhere and, 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 and let a doctor take a look at you and, and more than likely they'll get you some epinephrine if it's getting to that point. Uh, uh, well, but anyway, it, it's a, yeah, it is. It can be uh, real, I mean, it can be life threatening. That the anaphylactic reaction to, uh, to alpha gal, uh, to that carbohydrate can absolutely be life threatening, but it's real hard to recognize. So, so for, for the listeners out there, I mean, if you, uh, if you develop hives, and they're starting to spread all over your body, and and you're getting nauseated. Then you need to get somewhere quick. Um, some other symptoms are swelling around the eyes, swelling in the throat, um, itching. Um, actually, confusion can be one of those signs. And then a uh, the books, um, some of the medical textbooks called the the feeling that you get when you're having an anaphylactic reaction as a, a quote unquote sense of impending doom. Wow! Uh, so you're, you're having some, has that some, yeah, <laughs> some, some hives and uh, and getting nauseated, and you feel like something bad about that. You need to listen to that. Oh, wow! All scary stuff. Yeah, it really is. I've heard of people uh, getting, uh, you know, some people that get alpha gal. Uh, it, it almost never goes away. 
And then I know a lot of people that have gotten it and can slowly get back to where they can eat red meat again. Mm. So that's very true. Yeah. You can absolutely, uh, over time, uh, get back to where you can eat red meat again. Uh, it just, um, under you know, the supervision typically of an, of an allergist or an immunologist, you can slowly reintroduce those foods, it, it, introduce those, those mammalian meats back into your, your diet. It does take some time though. I mean, that's, that's something that occurs on over a period of years. Um, uh, but it does occur. You, you can get better. Yeah. Well, Dr. Ned Miller, you're, you're turning into our house doctor. That's that right. Where we can lean to you. Now, we, you. We call him every day anyways. There's something yeah, around here. Yeah. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a joke for us this time? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, so what do you call a, a tick that lives on the moon? A, a what that lives a on the moon? A tick that lives on the moon. A tick that lives on the moon. What do you call a tick that lives on the moon? I'm at a loss. We're looking at the a professor. Tick. A ah! <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's, That's a my good dad one. joke for the day. That's a good one. <laughs> my goal with these dad jokes is to embarrass my daughter, and I feel like I've accomplished it. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Was a winner there. We're embarrassed for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, do you want to give a shout out to your daughter while you're here? Oh, uh, Hannah, daddy loves you. That's uh, awesome. How about that? Well, we sure appreciate you being yeah, on here. Yeah, thanks, Doc. Man, yeah. Any, anytime. I enjoy it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Appreciate Ned. you, Ned. All right. Talk to y'all later. Right, See I knew he'd have a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Lunatic. Lunatic. Well, boy, you know, the takeaway of these, I mean. Hey, yeah. I mean. This sounds awful. If you get bit by one of these ticks. Potentially, yes. But that's where the taking care of your business, being, you know, the prophylactic treatment of your clothing and getting the ticks off quickly. You know, it's not the end of the world. We can right. still go out and enjoy the field. Well, now, what does prophylactic mean? Because You know um, what that is. Well, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, how, how did it get brought up here in this situation? Well, prophylactic is just uh, preparing to protect against something. Okay. So a vaccine <laughs> is a prophylactic. <laughs> All right. Well, you kind of yeah, have me wondering. Always, always in the gutter. Yeah, that's right. Always yeah. in the gutter. Yeah. Well, I just I He's don't always know. thinking about securing that one breeding opportunity. So look, why? <laughs> so look, yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, while we're talking about prophylactics, or while we're talking about prevention, prevention. That's the takeaway for me. Look, I've learned more today about ticks. I'm scared, and there ever was of them. But I also know that just like. The good doctor said, you got to get out there and announce prevention, you know, goes along, go home and take a shower and get the mirror out and look and see and, you know, be aware of what's going on. So, so I'm going to suggest, let's call Dave. We've got oh, that, Dave Larson. Number. Yep. So we're going to call Dave some, Larson. He's got some tick clothes or something, doesn't he? Yes. He's got, uh, and they're not a sponsor of this, but uh, we have. They uh, could be. We, yeah, we are taking be. checks, by be. the way. We have used their equipment. <laughs> or I have, uh, and it works fantastic. It's called a Limitic. So let's just visit with him about how they discover. Or, or like how the they technology this, behind this. Stuff. Yes, that's right. So stuff. that's his number, Lanny. Hi, this is Dave. Hey, Mr. Dave. It's Bobby Cole and Dudley and Lanny and Mac and David and Dr. Steve Damaris. How you doing? We're doing great, guys. How is everybody down there? We're scared to death of ticks. Yes. <laughs> After today. Yeah, we, we really are. We've been, we've been listening to all this, and it's just crazy. 
And it's amazing. And you guys probably too have, you know, hunting buddies or whatever that are literally are scared to death of ticks. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and it doesn't take too many people that uh, have an issue to make you really think about it. So let me introduce you properly. It's uh, we've got Dave Larson. Yes, sir. There we go. We got the horns going now. Wow, I, I even get a horn. That's yeah, right. and uh, and and Dave is one of the best hunters I've ever met. I mean, no he doubt. is hardcore. Killer bow hunter, no and, doubt about it. And he's uh, involved in a company called Game Hide. They actually make the gamekeepers clothing as well. Mm-hmm. But while we're talking to him today, is they've got something called a Limitic, and it's some technology. And and Dave, we'd like you to talk a little bit about that, if you would. Absolutely, yeah. I appreciate the the invite, and always fun to talk to you guys. And and you know, like everybody down down in your uh, your recording studio there too. You know, I'm a, a very avid. Uh, turkey hunter as well as a deer hunter and one of my one of my reps stumbled onto this technology uh through a company called insect shield back in 2008 and he and i got talking and and at that time in the the, chunk of the the world where i do a lot of turkey hunting in western wisconsin i was just having terrible tick issues and a lot of the black-legged ticks in that in that particular part of the world Mm -hmm. and uh, we got talking and i thought you know I, and he was focusing on mosquitoes and, you know, that's been tried a number of times and it's just hard on, uh, you know, we've all been, anybody that's an outdoors person has been in the mosquitoes where they're bad enough. They're going to bite you any place. Something's not covered. And, uh, anyway, short, uh, long story, trying to make it shorter. Uh, we decided to go out and, and mess around with this to see if, you know, how effective it could be on ticks. And it was in the fall. And, you know, which, you know, the, the nymph stage of those ticks come out and feed in the fall. And, uh, we did some testing, um, not scientific testing, just out in the field testing, side by side type testing. And, uh, we're shocked at what we were finding. So we took that another leap come spring turkey season in 2009 and really set up, you know, some more, you know, more, um, uh, organized testing, uh, just amongst our crew here. And we were shocked. We were going out with, uh, you know, two people not wearing it and one guy wearing it and vice versa. And the people wearing it weren't getting any. And the guys that weren't were literally picking 30, 40 ticks off of them in a morning. And um, we were like, wow, this is, this, is, this is hard to believe that it can work that well. So we kept at it and decided uh, after uh, numerous other tests, in, you know, not just in Wisconsin, but other parts that we hung out in that uh, – we're infested with uh, un- unfortunately bad tick populations, uh, and we're getting the same results everywhere. So then we launched uh, the Olympic line in 2010, and um, haven't looked back since. The, you know the product just plain works. So the clothes are impregnated. You know, the, it, it's so the chemical that's in it is a, a permethrin, which is not new. It's been out for a while, and it comes from uh, you know pyrethrum, which is a natural compound found in a chrysanthemum plant, which is a mum family, in the mum family. And they just figured out how to make it a lot more stable. The The natural compound is, is fairly unstable, especially in sunlight. And what they've figured out is how to make it stable. And then what Insect Shield did, which, is, which, which was a huge leap in technology, is figured out how to fuse it to the fibers of the fabric. And uh, that's what's really made this thing work because it lasts through full 70 clothes washings, which is the life of a, 
of a garment in the in the clothing world. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. not just getting them wet. That's a full clothes wash cycle on there. I don't so wash my just just made it. that much. No, I don't wash my turkey. No, until no. after no. season. Yeah, just <laughs> from what I understand, and uh, standard permethrin treatment lasts about six weeks or six washes, whichever comes first. And so this that's that's a huge improvement. Yeah. Huge improvement. And, you know, there's obviously other technologies out there where you're dipping or spraying or anything else. But what I love about this is there's no mess. The the chemical stain in the clothing, um, it's all EPA regulated. It's safe for everybody. Um, it's just a great technology. All you have to do is wear it. And uh, they have a test called the knockdown test uh, or KD test, which tests the efficacy of a, of a product or how effective the, the, the quote unquote insecticide is on it. And it's crazy if you look at the results of this and how good it stains or withstands the washings. And it's only slightly going down between zero washings and 70 washings. Mm. It's still in the high nineties on, on effectiveness. So you've which got, which is awesome for, for any of us hunting. Yeah. You've got clothes like hunting clothes, like it's stuff in mossy oak and then you've got socks and, um, T-shirts, you've got a lot of different products that are impregnated with this that a guy can use, right? Correct. Correct. We've got over 20 styles in it, including dog vests for those of us that have hunting dogs and want to help protect them. Um, you know, I got messing around with that because my labs were getting so darn, oh, yeah. you know, infected with them, even using Frontline. And most of most of my labs have had some sort of tick-borne disease. Um, even with the, you know, Lyme vaccinations and, and that sort of thing. So I was trying everything I could think of. And, and, uh, it seems to really cut down, you know, wearing one of these vests really seems to cut down on the, the number of ticks. It's not going to be perfect on the dog because that head's going through, you know, and I don't know about you guys, but my, mine do not wear bonnets. So no. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no way to, there's no way to cover those ears up. Yeah. Well, and, and look, before I forget it, I want to make sure. Now, you, you've got an offer. So if anybody's listening to this podcast and goes to your website, you've got a promo code GKTIC, mm. and you're going to give them 20% off. Is that right? 25% off. 25. Yep. Any of, any of the, our podcast friends that are listening yeah. in. But wait, there's more. That. That's right. GKTIC. I think it's a capital G, capital K, and a capital T, and then I-C-K. And what's the website? I, I, I forgot. Oh, yeah. It, that, that's right. Just, if they just jump on gamehide.com, just G-A-M-E-H-I-D-E.com, and you'll, they'll see a big limited icon on there. They can click on that and see the whole line in there. You know, the obsession, you know, as all of us are, you know, it's such an awesome pattern for, for warm season, you know, hunting, whether it's, it's the fall bow season or spring turkey season. There's a whole array of it in, in obsession in there. Um, and lots of different styles from, you know, pullover t-shirts to full zip jackets and whatnot. But, um, more than anything, it, it gets us out there and keeps us safe and, and, uh, keeps our, our family safe. We introduced, uh, um, some lady styles in it this year. Um, so encourage listeners to jump on there and, and snoop it out. I think Good they'll stuff. like what they find. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing I was going to say, and you guys might have jumped on this already, but the, you know, there's, there's such a variety of, tick-borne diseases and it seems like we keep discovering more of them and uh you know the the one of your other podcasts one of the one of the on the burning podcast i know one of the guys had mentioned that that alpha gal um if i'm saying it right um 
tick-borne disease that makes you allergic to red meat, which is crazy. But I have a rep friend of mine that's in the industry out of Kentucky that has that from turkey hunting in Kentucky. Oh, my. And uh, it's crazy. I mean, you think about that and you think, ah, nobody's going to get it. It's popping up everywhere. Yeah. Matt's yeah, mom's it's got crazy. It. Mm-hmm. I can think of really five or yeah. six people off the top of my head that have it. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot today. Very I mean, Lyme prevalent. disease is, is the most prevalent, but alpha gal's coming on strong. That's for sure. Well, it sounds like this yeah. limited technology. You're you're giving guys a way to be be even more safe, mm-hmm. and that that's that's a great thing. It is, and it's it's so easy. There's yeah, no messes or anything with it. You just put it on, and my taxidermy buddy who's um, unfortunately, his wife got Lyme uh, early enough in the in this that they didn't catch it very early. So she's in a wheelchair part of the time and really had a lot of lifelong issues with it. But he wears he wears it now just while he's skinning bears and doing all that because half the time those critters come in and they've got a lot of ticks on. Them. Oh yeah, yeah, for so sure. Lots of lots of applications out there and just try to keep us safe and out there healthy so we can continue to hunt and do the things we love to do. Amen to that. Yep. Well, Dave, you killed a great big old turkey up there in Minnesota this year, didn't you? I did. Yep. Yeah. I had a pretty fun season and, and uh, was able to chase him down in Iowa and kill a nice bird there. And uh, killed a, killed a, my wife actually killed a, just a stellar Miriams out in Wyoming. Awesome. So, uh, and, and interesting enough, you seem to, not to keep tying it back to ticks, but these there's pockets across the whole U.S. that have issues on it. Now, there's there's hotbeds, which I'm sure you guys have talked about, that are worse than others. But there's there seems to be pockets scattered across that have, have the issues. And, you know, as turkey hunters, you know, we also run into the darn chiggers in a lot of places. This mm-hmm. stuff works awesome on chiggers. They, they will not bother you with while you're wearing this stuff. Wow. So. Sign me up. Worth his weight in gold. <laughs> yeah, did you say Iowa? Because you know Hercules is from Iowa. Oh, I always got to bring up Back. Hercules. Here we go again. <laughs> I did see that. And, I, and there are some Hercules-sized turkeys in that part of the world, That's no doubt right. about that. <laughs> well, Dave, thank you for being yeah. on. And, uh, and, we, and, man, boy, it's a great product. I, yeah. I, I know I've used it, and I can honestly say it works. Well, great. And, and, you know, you, you, obviously the whole topic on gamekeeping, you know, we're all out there working on food plots this time of year. And obviously, right. you know, well into the early fall, another time when the ticks are out, you know, people don't realize, I think sometimes, you know, how prevalent those nymph stage ticks are out in the fall. Um, and it, so it's a, it's a, something to be conscious of as we're working through late summer and early fall, working on food plots and doing all that. So. But um, you guys keep up the good work on the uh, the podcast. It's always fun to listen in, and you always have some intriguing and interesting and educational things on there. So <laughs> yeah, we try. Thanks, we sure Dave. Do. Yeah, glad to have you on here. We sure appreciate you. Yep, same here, guys. Take All it right. easy, Dave. Thanks, have Dave. a great day, and uh, yep, we'll talk soon. Okay, right, buddy. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate you. Well, listening to him, Steve, he talking about nymph stage and yeah. and uh, all that seemed to just go right in line with what you were what you've been telling us. Dave's been doing his tick research. Yeah, he's he's really into he it. Yes, yeah. That, that's amazing how well, you know well he's got uh, you know obviously his taxidermy friend's wife who's wheelchair ridden because of Lyme disease. You know that'll kind of open your eyes a little bit for sure. Yeah, so we all, I'm, and I'm, I'm assuming you do as well, but we all know somebody that's been affected by Lyme mm-hmm. disease, and this alpha gal is, is just certainly it's coming on to strong. everywhere, too. Mm-hmm. Rocky Mountain, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, don't be scared, just be preventative. Yeah. Yeah. 
Prophylactic. Prophylactic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to look that one up because I feel like if I throw that out in mixed company, I might get a look. Well, I mean, you know, just. Fortunately, this podcast is is like 99.9% male. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I actually I love and, and really enjoy listening to y'all's podcast. The, is it is it the Deer, MSU Deer Lab? Is that the name? Well, it's of called it? Deer University, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we're really excited about the success, and we get to talk about stuff yeah. that matters. Yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I listened to it, and, and y'all, I, the one on supplemental feeding was uh, I just recently listened to that one. It was very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. So uh, so yeah, is there anything you need to promote? Uh, is there an Instagram page or anything like that that you guys want to reach out there? And- MSUDeerLab.com website, and then all the major social medias, you know, just MSU Deer Lab will. And, and this is MSU as in Mississippi State, not Michigan State. Yeah, there we go, yeah. Dolph. Yeah, oh, that oh. can happen. So <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I didn't grow up a Mississippi State fan. I, I grew up in Alabama, and I'm an Auburn fan, still am. But I have been nothing but impressed with everybody I've met at Mississippi State and the way you guys are recruiting young people yeah, to come to learn about wildlife. Y'all just, if I had known this kind of stuff when I was 18 years old, I, I would have been there. It's, this is very fascinating. And and the, y'all have just made it appear to be so fun to come there and learn about whitetails or wild turkeys or bobwhite quail or whatever. Fisheries. Yeah. Forestry. Yeah. yeah. You, 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 I would, uh, you know, if you're a young person, 14, 15 years old, trying to think about what you want to do, you should really consider. Take a ride to Starville and you check it really out. You really should. That's the first thing I did. Of course, I was a freshman at State. I didn't even stop at the uh, at the dorm or anything. I went straight to the deer pen. <laughs> <laughs> Were you one of those that we had to run? I was one of those guys. Yeah. Okay. I was that guy for sure. <laughs> yeah. Probably, and Bronson, how do y'all deal with him? <laughs> Man, it's a joy to work with Bronson. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine a better colleague to work on deer stuff because he's, he's into it. Yeah, he is. It's great. Well, it's an unbelievable resource over there for us. And we, we it's great. It's just right down the road. You know, I, I had, texted Bronson about, hey, there's some interesting things that I could ask Dr. Damaris when he's over here. And do you know what? The first thing, he, he texted me, ask him about back in a trailer. And I, I, I thought, <laughs> how am I going to get to that? I mean, you know. that that's, that's what my daughter would, that's a ran, what, that's awfully random, yeah. but yeah. it's targeted because I've told him the story about making a mistake in a late night deer capture operation and you you fall asleep while somebody else is driving, and then you, they get out of the truck and oh, I'm going to help, and and turn the truck around and forget. Boy, oh, we were pulling a trailer before I fell asleep. Ah, uh, uh, it that, happens. You when you're working long hours doing what we need to do to learn about deer and deer research, then you, sometimes happen. you you make mistakes. Well, there's a lot of mistakes in our back parking lot back here. This is like a trailer <laughs> graveyard back there. You don't want to be a trailer around here. Do y'all hear that thunder? That means the, the internet is about to go out. No, oh, I thought that was my stomach. Nah. Uh, if it rains, we lose. Do y'all, does the, at Mississippi State, if it rains, does y'all's internet go out? Sure. Oh, yeah, no, I'm glad to know that. <laughs> they don't have a wire run from the water tower over here. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, this has been a lot of fun. We've been, been going, going a while. So, uh, Lanny, you got anything else? I don't. 
you know? What, not, Dudley? What Again, this one's kind of run long. Why don't we say we'll, your, we'll just have to move the Ask Dudley to next week. Yeah. We'll, right. You know, at one point, we'll do a whole podcast or nothing but Ask Dudley. We'll just sit here and ask Dudley the whole time. Y'all right. could interview me. Rapid. I like, I like it. it. Put him in between the turkeys. Yeah, we could. Yeah. We could. Right. So... Dr. Steve Damaris, we have really enjoyed having you. Thanks Is there anything here. else you want to point out or anybody you want to say hello to or anything like that? Just keep hunting and, and support your state wildlife agencies. There's a, there's a lot of, can I editorialize a moment? Sure. Yeah, please. You know, there's a lot in the news these days about politicizing like COVID and, and people not believing in COVID. It's not, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And I don't want to get into that. But we face a similar kind of thing in the, in the world of chronic wasting disease and mm. deer management. There's this group of, of people that don't believe chronic wasting disease is real. And they, they say, well, state agencies brought it in because they wanted to get more money or something. That's further from the truth. Chronic wasting disease is a problem that we need to all work together and support our state wildlife agency. Our landowners need to support uh, active management to uh, minimize the chance of spread. And, and it's just, you know, since we've been talking about a tick diseases, that's something uh, I'll throw out for you. A hundred percent. That probably needs to be a whole podcast. No, and there's no so, question yeah. about it. We can you get know. Bronson over here with you and we'll, we'll sure. get yeah, this one. Because it is the, you know, obviously the... Uh, the white-tailed deer herd in Mississippi is not everybody in this room is you know it's their lives. So. Yeah, we're watching it close, yeah. and it's not far from us here. No, uh, no. you know, in the state of Alabama's got the. If you can't take a deer across the state lines. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, and we're we're not far from the state line, so it's kind of it kind of impacts us a little bit because we've got places we hunt on the other side of the state, and you just have to plan and prepare for it because we certainly don't want to break any any laws. That's right, and it's just it's again it's one of these things you don't want to stop hunting because it's around. You just use the prophylactics again. Mm-hmm. You you get your deer tested and you support active management. Yeah, scientific based management. It's not something you have to stop hunting. No, I think hunting is the key to it. Probably it is to controlling it more than anything. It helps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been this has really been interesting. Hopefully, people have learned something. I mean, everybody knows about ticks, and but but I know I learned something. We really need to be careful about them, and uh, you know that whole what 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 Doctor Ned said about if you'll just to Dudley's question about how long do they need to be on. I think if we can just. Get that mirror out. Get your wife in the bathroom. Don't give them a chance to begin with. Baby, look at this thing. Is that a mole? She's probably been waiting all day for you to come home (laughs) just so you could (laughs) ask her to do that, Lenny. (laughs) Mine slides a mirror in there. It's like, take care of yourself, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right, Mac, you're over there texting. Have you got anything that you want to ask? The good doctor. I'm good to go. No good guy. deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations on the College yeah, World Series yeah. for you Thank guys. You. That had to be exciting. Hail State. Hail State, absolutely. Do you have it? Are any of those uh, baseball players, any of those in the wildlife program? Have, not to my knowledge, no. Yeah. It's well, hard for a student athlete to take a science-based program with a lot of labs and, and you know, long hours of, of academics, and they were – Long hours of playing sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we know there's a lot of them are hunters. We, we hear stories about that. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Mac Mac. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.